You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Good morning, everybody. So, um, the other week, uh, um, Albie asked uh, a a great question, um, which is, you know, why do we do Musaf? The question, if I understood right, is a little something like this, right? Musaf is a service that we add um, on Shabbat and holidays. In fact, um, it is called Musaf because the word Musaf means additional, right? Uh, um, Like lehosif, to add on to. Uh, By the way, the biblical character Yosef um, is the same uh, Hebrew root uh, because uh, Jacob celebrates the fact that God has added on children uh, to his uh, flock of kids uh, through his, uh, through his uh, beloved wife, Rachel. Um, so that's what Musaf means. It means an additional service, right? Um, the, the fact that we have Shabbat and, and a holiday um, uh, means that, uh, um, that we, we want a little bit of extra celebrating. We want a little bit of extra uh, prayer um, for two reasons. One, because the day is holy, the day is special, so you add holiness onto it through prayer. Uh, and the other is uh, the assumption of the tradition is, well, where else do you have to go? Right, so they didn't, you know, they, they didn't live in a world of uh, of, of kiddishes and soccer practice on uh, on Saturday afternoon, right? So uh, so where'd you have to go? Stick around for another twenty minutes for Musaf. It's not going to kill you, right? Um, but the practice um, actually comes uh, uh, from, in a lot of ways, the same place that the rest of our prayer comes from. Which you have a you have a. Oh, okay. Um, so the practice actually comes from uh, the same place uh, the rest of our prayer comes from, uh, which is a, um, uh, uh, it corresponds to the ancient sacrificial system. And so um, for a good portion of our people's history, the way that people prayed was not through words, although that some people did do that, and there's even fairly early evidence of people praying through speech and through words, but the primary uh, mode of worship was through sacrifice, right? And we had a temple in Jerusalem uh, for uh, for many years, uh, where that was the locus of uh, of uh, the Jewish people's uh, prayer life, and the way that they did it was through sacrifice. And there were uh, two major. Uh, sacrificial <laughs> services every single day. There was um, a, uh, a, a tamid, which meant a, 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 um, a perpetual offering. Uh, there was a, a morning version of that, and there was a late afternoon version of that, um, which corresponds to the fact that we have shachrit and mincha now. Uh, there was also a sacrifice that would continually burn throughout the night, um, uh, which was uh, which is which roughly corresponds to why we have Mariv now. Although Mariv, the evening service is uh, is a little bit of a um, uh, um, 
an anomaly in this uh, in in this conversation because Mario doesn't directly correspond to any sacrifice, um, but was rather an an additional voluntary service not required by the law that uh, the Jewish community uh, <laughs> took on uh, a couple of thousand years ago, um, and uh, and because they took it on as a voluntary obligation, it stuck as an obligation for uh, for their descendants uh, um, uh, for all time, uh, which is uh, uh, a, uh, a, a warning to the rest of us, be careful the precedents you set, uh, but because you never know how long they'll last for. Uh, but that's, so that's the three prayer services that we have, morning, evening, and night, um, morning, afternoon, and night. Um, and uh, um, on Similarly, on Shabbat and holidays, there was an additional sacrifice that was offered in the temple. In between the morning sacrifice and the afternoon sacrifice, there was the Musaf sacrifice, um, the additional sacrifice for the, for the holy day. Right? And so in a, in a similar fashion, because our prayer um, is considered to be a substitution for the sacrificial system, uh, we add in Musaf uh, on Shabbat and holidays. By the way, it's also uh, why there are, um, uh, uh, f- that makes four prayer services for uh, Shabbat, right? Uh, and holidays. You have the evening service, morning service, Musaf service, and Mincha service. Each service uh, is called a service if it has an Amida in it. Okay? That's what constitutes a service. Um, which, and so the, um, the, the day on which we have the most services during the year, anybody know? Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. How many do we have? Five. Five. Good. One additional, right? And what's the additional one? Nila. Youth service. Youth service. <laughs> the essential service. Um, Nila is the fifth. Good. All right. All right. So that's that's one of the technical reasons that we have the Musaf service is because all of our prayer services correspond to the sacrificial system. And when the temple was destroyed in 70 CE, um, the rabbis instituted prayer as a substitution for sacrifice for for a few reasons. I mean, the, the first is, well, they didn't have a temple. So the choice was either you say, well, you could only pray in the temple. And you could only do sacrifices as prayer, right? And because you could only do sacrifices as prayer, and you can only do sacrifices in the temple, therefore, if you don't have a temple, you can't do sacrifices and you can't do prayer. So they could have said that. And there were some Jews that said that. And, uh, and that would have effectively meant um, the end of uh, communal Jewish worship. Um, and for some Jewish groups that did mean the end of Jewish, uh, communal Jewish worship, and consequently, and I think it's a related issue, right, um, there's, a, there's a reason that those groups aren't really around anymore today. Right? So the, the, um, the, the, uh, the drive to get Jews to come together to pray um, has, uh, has been a preserving element of, uh, of the Jewish people throughout our history. So the rabbis, um, I think very wisely, uh, um, acknowledge the fact that um, that if they didn't substitute the sacrificial system with something in the absence of a temple, um, that, uh, that, that, that they would simply vanish, that Judaism would vanish. And there was a, there was a religious reason too, right? If you, if you assume that the way that we uh, communicate with God, or as Heschel puts it, the way we make ourselves communicable <laughs> to God um, is, through, is, through, uh, is through worship, right? Um, you could just change the definition of what worship is, right? You say there's other ways of communicating with God or making yourself communicable to God, right? Sacrifice, animal sacrifice is one. 
but uh, but but verbal prayer might be might be another, right? This was not an unrevolutionary concept in the Jewish tradition. Um, there there were rabbis that. Um, you know that uh, were no doubt in their time. You know, called heretical for the for the assumption that you could substitute uh, sacrificial worship with another kind of worship, right? Um, but I asked the question as the year twenty twelve ended. Mm-hmm. So I'm really trying to ask you for a more contemporary answer to why Musaf. I, right. I do appreciate the headline here: prayer yeah. is sacrifice. Right. Well, so we've been we've been to shul, and we have said in Amida. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to contemporize. I know. I just why. wanted I wanted to lay the groundwork okay. first, um, but in in some way the question of why Musaf is the same question as why Shachri. Right, and this to me it is, <laughs> okay, fair enough. But right, but but from uh, um, so, what's different about Musaf then? Some people sometimes need a Musaf because we don't get there on time. That's <laughs> why we need a Musaf, <laughs> and so maybe we don't need Shachri. I don't know, but why is, why is Musaf why is Musaf different? If I've gotten there in time, I have said the Amida. Yeah, well, one's enough in today's it's world. Different. I well, hold on. What, so, I understand. The, I understand. no, no, no. So, the, um, um, the 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 simplest answer that I could give to to why one is not enough is because the Torah itself says one is not enough. You need uh, uh, the morning sacrifice and the Musaf sacrifice. Um, um, so, uh, I, so now I understand the question more fully. It's not the question I thought you were asking, uh, but it's a good question nonetheless. Um, uh, um, you know, the, the, it's, it, but it is a similar question that you can ask. Um, so maybe what actually we're studying is not going to be relevant to the question. But the, um, the uh, uh, but it's going to be relevant to my interpretation but, of the but question. But Mordecai Kaplan actually asked that same question, and the Reconstructionist movement has mm. actually moved away from it. So here's the thing about uh, about uh, about Musaf that which is related to the question that I thought Albi was asking, and related to what Mordecai Kaplan did uh, with it, um, which is Musaf more than the other prayer services, emphasizes uh, the, the, the uh, sacrificial process that it's replacing and yearns for a return to that sacrificial system. That is what, what I understood as, your, as, the, as, the, as the issue. That is part of okay, the good. issue because good. So we'll, we're I don't know there. that I do yearn for that. Right, right. So, um, all right. So that's that goes back to the the uh, piece that I'm saying before, right? Because the rabbi said that that prayer is a uh, is a, a substitution for sacrifice. Um, many of them acknowledge the fact that the ideal worship environment is uh, a return to uh, to animal sacrifice. But that wasn't a universal concept in the Jewish tradition. Maimonides, famously in the Guide of the Perplexed, said that uh, that sacrifice was a step toward um, a step in the evolution of the Jewish people and Jewish thought toward a more uh, uh, refined and uh, and true form of worship, which is prayer. Um, what ultimately is the goal is an intimate. Um, uh, inexpressible awareness of and knowledge of the divine. Prayer is uh, one step that helps us get there. Uh, animal sacrifice was the previous step. Human sacrifice or other kinds of sacrifices might have been the previous step in development. Right. So in that sense, animal sacrifice was a step forward, um, but uh, but verbal <coughs> prayer is a, is a step after that. 
Um, and what an interesting question to ask about Maimonides, and uh, and since he's not around, we can't we can only speculate, um, is whether that means um, he actually doesn't believe that the temple should be rebuilt, or if it's rebuilt, um, if there should be a reinstitution of the form of worship that was there in the first place, which is animal sacrifice. So it's an interesting question to, to think about in, in, in Maimonides, um, and to think about, I mean, that was Mordechai, Mordechai Kaplan's argument, right? Is that we are progressing. Um, uh, Judaism is an evolving religious civilization, and evolution uh, suggests, that's what Mordecai Kaplan said, evolution suggests that we're on a forward trajectory. So the way Jews engage with the tradition now, the way Jews relate to God now, the way Jews uh, do Judaism now, and the way we conceive of our morality now, is progress from the way our ancestors did. So therefore, maybe we yearn for the uh, for, for uh, the rebuilding of the temple, but we certainly don't yearn for a reinstitution of animal sacrifice. Because animal sacrifice is, uh, I don't know the exact word he used, but I'll just uh, choose the word repugnant to our moral sensibilities, and our moral sensibilities today are are, uh, are, are more refined than our ancestors' moral sen- sensibilities. Right? Um, those are those that's are okay. That's where the question. Right. So that's part of the question, Absolutely. and um, and so that's why I love this piece by Heschel because I think it uh, it it conceptualizes this in a beautiful way. Okay, so this is an essay by Heschel titled "Prayer is Sacrifice." Uh, and it's found in this collection that we've been studying, um, uh, Man's Quest for God. I just want to go to the second paragraph on, the, on page 70. The statement that since the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, prayer has taken the place of sacrifice, does not imply that sacrifice was abolished when the sacrificial cult went out of existence. In other words, animal sacrifice stopped existing because there was no more temple, but that doesn't mean that we got rid of sacrifice. Prayer is not, this is a radical statement, prayer is not a substitute for sacrifice. Right? It's an amazing statement, radical statement, because for much of Jewish history until Heschel, uh, we have conceived of prayer as a substitute for sacrifice. It's what took sacrifice's place after the temple was destroyed. Here's what he says. Prayer is not a substitute for sacrifice, Prayer is sacrifice. What has changed is the substance of sacrifice. The self took the place of the thing. The spirit is the same. Right, so what were we doing when we sacrificed? What were we doing when we offered an animal sacrifice? It cost us money. Okay, it cost us money, right? It was a big financial investment, um, and d- depending on your wealth, it would uh, you know we had different options for what kind of sacrifices we would offer, depending on how much money you had, right? But uh, proportionally to every individual, it was a big commitment that you were, um, for some sacrifices, completely throwing in fire, right? It was taking a bundle of money and burning it, right? Um, the ola is a completely burnt offering. Some of it you would get. Some of the sacrifices you would get to eat. Right, um, but uh, but so, <laughs> Kiddush, right? Um, um, okay, so it was it was money. What you were doing is you were giving over a uh, a, a, a financial. Why? Why would you do that? Going to find. Well, it's a sacrifice towards God. Yes. Why? Why? Shake your shrimp. 
if you go back, <laughs> if you go back into mythology, it's because it's food for the gods. Okay, right. So, um, and Judaism. It, what's interesting is to compare the the Torah's conception of sacrifice with ancient mythologies. Other other. I don't know how radical I want to be. Other mythologies' uh, conceptions of sacrifice. It is not um, uh, um, in, in the Torah food for God. The, the closest it gets is reach nichoach ladonai. It's a sweet smell for God. But uh, I. But most scholars say that that doesn't. That what that's trying to do is consciously make a break from ancient mythologies about sacrifice. That it's not that God's eating it or sustained by it. Um, that God is pleased with the fact that we're doing it. Right, um, but the question is, so why? Why is that pleasing for God? Yeah. I go back a step. Uh, money is a medium of exchange. The sacrifice of an animal, the animal is not money. It is not a medium of exchange. Mm-hmm. The animal is sustenance. Sustenance. Mm-hmm. In many cases, it's life itself. Mm-hmm. So logically. And I, I like to take things to extremes to see the reason. Mm-hmm. If if there's <clears throat> starvation and you have a bull, uh, you, you have the bull or, or the, uh, the sacrifice, do you eat that to stay alive? Or if that's the only one left, do you sacrifice it to God? Are you asking me? I'm just thinking, oh, mm-hmm. uh, and and the sacrifice. I think the answer is you you, you give it to God, hmm. because before they used the animal as sacrifice, at some time in the past in other religions they used human sacrifice, mm-hmm. and so the use of an animal instead of a human was a step up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think logically, that, that's that's the intent is to is to acknowledge God in the extreme, even if uh, even if it means you're not going to survive. Hmm. Ned, you have your hand. Uh, and I may be confusing the different types of sacrifices with just the regular daily ones, but there were sacrifices of thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So you're thanking God. Because you had good crops or good, uh, you know, or your herds were uh, plenty or something like that. Mm-hmm. There were um, sacrifices uh, of um, uh, requesting forgiveness for, you know, having done things. Mm-hmm. And so how does a sacrifice do that? Well, you're, um, you're, you're sacrificing, you're offering up some of what you have. To, to God requesting expiation or offering thanks. Right. So how does it? Though I'm asking, like, how does it work? How does how does how does giving that achieve expiation? How does giving that achieve thanksgiving? How does? Uh, I guess the Pope. Be, uh, well, yeah. um, I guess that those, since those were some of the sacrifices that are listed, hmm. you um, by by giving those you would. The, I guess the, the thinking was that you would, your wish might be granted in a sense. Why? Or, That's what I'm trying. I'm trying to get well, out. Of, how does it work? Uh, what, because wh- these were these were sacrifices that were enumerated in the Torah. That, that supposedly, uh, according to the Torah, God 
want to be right. God. So that's what I was. So why is it? Do you think that God would want those things? Of course not. He, he wanted. Uh, he wanted those things to. In other words, like you, you, you know, there, there could have been to, to, to change our behavior, or in, in some cases, if you're requesting uh, expiation from sin, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't work with the thanks exactly, but well, devotion, develop yeah. devotion, mm-hmm. and also all, everything that you have is supposed to be given by God. It belongs to God. Mm-hmm. It's here on your on uh, approval for a while. Thing. Okay, so that's good, right? So, you, so uh, there's the, there are two elements of what you just said, Abe. Um, one is that uh, you're acknowledging that what you have isn't really yours in the first place, right? There's a sort of uh, um, uh, a humility that uh, that it engenders because you realize that uh, that didn't belong to you. Um, and the other is uh, is is a is a devotional. Um, in, in other words, it's an expression of uh, of your willingness to give up anything um, in order to uh, in order to uh, express your gratitude or to uh, or to express your thanks or or, 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 or something like that. Kendra, you had your hand up. Yeah, I, I just think that there is some um, vestigial uh, remnant of this notion of care and feeding of God in the Torah, mm. um, with the the fact that the fattiest part of the thing is only goes to God, the choicest thing, the blood is poured out onto the earth, and it's in a sense to mm-hmm. you know the to, to, to feed God, and that that's simply how people understood that they make God happy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I, not discounting the notion that uh, I, and, you know the more elevated thing that all things come from God, and that it's it's our humility or it's our whatever um, that, that shows that. But I think. Uh, as a as a system, it, 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 it emanates from that notion that that's how we please God by feeding God. Yeah. So I. Um I hear you, and there are certainly scholars that would agree with that assessment. Um, and if you understand uh, um, Jewish or Israelite sacrifice as an outgrowth of other ancient peoples uh, sacrificing, then certainly it has its roots in that sort of uh, viewpoint. Although I, it, I think it is worth um, acknowledging that the Torah, at least the authors of the Torah, tried to constantly tried to consciously divorce Israelite sacrifice from that conception, right? So if you look at the, um, uh, the Enuma Elish, for example, right, the, the conception is the, the gods swarm over the sacrifice like flies on a carcass, right, um, and, and devour it, right? Um, that's not what you get in, in the Torah. So, um... It's a development yeah, beyond right. that, I so I just want to offer an, another idea, and, uh, and and in part, if uh, if I heard him correctly, uh, if I and if I remember it correctly, um, uh, this is uh, um, uh, in part what Rabbi Kiefer offered uh, last year when he was interviewing to be the uh, um, um, uh, interim rabbi. Um, he gave a Dvar Torah about sacrifice, and uh, and he offered uh, an, a, an element of this interpretation too, um, which is a which is a sense that what you're doing when you're sacrifice is offering a substitution for yourself, right? In other words, um, you don't deserve the great thing that God has given you. So you're giving over yourself on the altar. And it makes much more sense in an environment where people did human sacrifice, because you actually are giving over yourself. 
right? Um, but the Jewish tradition uh, uh, says, well, you can't do that. It's immoral to kill yourself. It's immoral to take human life. It's slightly less immoral to take an animal's life, to give over an animal's life. But what you do, and that's the financial investment, that's the, um, that's the seriousness, the, the food element of it, right? the seriousness of it is, is that from, from the moral perspective, you're doing something only slightly less radical than throwing yourself on the altar. And you're giving something that, um, in a lot of respects, resembles you. Right, um, you know, so it breathes the same. It has blood. It has organs the same as yours. It has kidneys. It has a liver. It has all these things, right? That are very much like yours. And when and right, you, um, you 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 have to show its blood, right? Because you bleed. You have to put salt on the sacrifice because you have sweat, right? You um, you you know you you um, you you uh, you burn this carcass because, from a certain perspective, you're a carcass. Right and um, and so what we're what um, I think one of the psychological things, even though our, our uh, ancient ancestors didn't have a sense of the psychology of this, but I think that they had an, um, an intuitive sense of it um, that uh, that what you're doing when you're sacrificing is giving yourself. Right, and so um, when we were putting animals on the altar, they were <coughs> a substitution. Right, it's expiation for our transgression. Because it's us, right? We're saying that, that, that this us doesn't exist anymore. Can't exist anymore, right? When we're grateful, when we're thanking, right? We're saying that, that, that if I could just go right now and evaporate into the cosmos, that is how satisfied I am. That is how grateful I am. I can, all I can do is just kind of like, um, uh, um, um, disappear into the great expanse of being. And so this bull or this lamb that I'm putting on the altar that's going up in smoke is me. And that's how I'm feeling right now. When the temple was destroyed, we couldn't do that anymore. Because one of the one of the limitations on the questionable morality of giving over animals, right? The one notch down on the moral ladder of throwing ourselves into the fire is giving a bull. And what the and what the Torah says is is you know all the other people around you, you know, there's actually not a lot of evidence in the ancient world, uh, in the ancient Near Eastern world of, of human sacrifice. Uh, Richard Elliot Friedman has shown that, despite um, a, a lot of speculation to the contrary, the Torah wasn't um, making an argument against human sacrifice for the most part. Um, it, interestingly, the only real evidence of human sacrifice. Um, in the ancient Near East is Israelite. That's a little bit neither here nor there. Um, that's according to Richard Elliot Friedman, who is a biblical scholar. Right? But, um, but what, what the Torah said is, okay, everyone is sacrificing. Right? Everyone, everyone has this sort of a, a, a psychological um, uh, modality of, of, of substituting an animal for themselves because they deserve to be on the altar. But it has a uh, but it's a really serious thing to take the life of another living being, even if it's not a human. And so in order to do that, it's got to be done in a certain way, by certain trained people, in a certain place. Once that place no longer exists, you can't do it anymore, because it's a serious thing. And so what the rabbi said is, okay, what we were doing when we were doing that is giving over ourselves. So we can do that in other ways, right? 
we can do that through words. Right? And in some ways, right, that's what Heschel is saying, the spirit is the same. Right? The spirit is the same as human sacrifice in a certain way. Right? We are putting ourselves on the altar. What an incredible idea that when you're praying, right, usually we, we, we take prayer as a sort of perfunctory thing, right? Um, we sit in shul, it's a little bit boring, right? Um, it's, you know, we're, we're just, we're kind of there, we're supposed to be there, um, we're schmoozing with our neighbor, and then we're back to praying, and then we're singing a little bit, and then we're back to schmoozing, and then we're, right? Um, but what Heschel is saying is that to do that misses the entire point of prayer, Right? The words on the page are the altar, and we are the sacrifice. And what would it look like in prayer to totally give yourself over to the experience, to totally give yourself over to the moment? Um, and this is, uh, this is what he says, In moments of prayer we try to surrender our vanities, to burn our insolence, to abandon bias, can't, envy. Some of the Hasidic masters say that that's the metaphor of the sacrificial system. What you're doing is you're burning your animal self metaphorically, right? You're, you're burning those elements of you that are the worst elements of you, the most base elements of you, the things that lead you to sin, the le- things that lead you to hate, the things that lead you to envy, the things that lead you to lust, right? And Heschel's saying that's exactly what you're supposed to do when you pray with words. You're supposed to get rid of your vanities, get rid of your insolence, get rid of your bias, get rid of your envy. We lay all our forces before him. The word is but an altar. We do not sacrifice we are the sacrifice. All right, we'll uh, end there today. But that, I think, is um, what I think about when I think about Musaf and when I think about what it's saying about, uh, about the, the desire to, to have a return to, to, um, to the sacrificial system. Um, I think there are a couple ways. That, you know, one is um, that, uh, that we're doing what it's saying. We are sacrificing, right? We're putting it in the language of uh, of our of our ancient tradition. But what it's saying is that that in the same way that shacharit is a is a replacement for that sacrificial system. Right? By the way, these daily offerings um, the um, were uh, were for atonement. Um, uh, Musaf is a little bit different. Um, so the shacharit and, and mincha services were for atonement of the people. Um, the day's transgressions, the night's transgressions. Musaf is more celebratory, right? Um, so it's, it forms, it, it, it has a different function from the sacrificial point of view than Shacharit does, for example. So the Amida, even though, I mean, it's actually a different Amida in each one, right? Um, uh, the, the point is different, right? In one, you're rejoicing. In another, even though it's Shabbat and you're not supposed to be asking forgiveness and things like that, in another, right, it takes the place of the of the daily thing where you're where you're uh, substituting the sacrifice for yourself in in that expiatory uh, sort of uh, function. Right? But that's what I think about when I think about Musa. I think about Heschel's words that that um, what we're praying about and what we're praying for is what we're doing, right? If we're doing it right, which is giving over ourselves to the experience, laying ourselves down. Right? And that's why I think specifically Musaf on Shabbat and holidays is an important thing, because Shabbat and holidays is about laying ourselves down, right? Uh, abandoning the forces in the world and in our lives that, uh, that, that, that bind us, that hold us back, that, uh, um, that, that, that enslave us to, uh, to, to our routine. Right? So there's lots of reasons, I think, um, uh, why uh, Musaf specifically, but prayer in general, um, can work in the way that sacrifice used to, and therefore um, 
relating it to sacrifice or praying for a return to sacrifice um, uh, doesn't bother me, at least not when I think about it metaphorically. It might bother me when I think about it uh, um, uh, literally, um, but I am not so hung up on literal things because I think that uh, uh, generally... Uh, but the Sidor is. This, I don't think the Sidor is meant to be literal. But, but as you read the translation, it is saying... Well, that's why I don't read the translation. I get over that, I get over that by, uh, by, by trying to pray with Sidorim without uh, English translations because I don't think that that's the point. Um, okay. And I don't think even the, you know, every translation is interpretation, right? So the, the English translation could translate it more uh, on the metaphorical plane. It chooses not to. Um, that's an ideological choice of the translator. It could translate it a different way. When they, when they sacrifice the animal, do they quickly uh, kill the animal? Yeah, that's, that's the intention, at least. Not torturing the Right, that's the intention, at least, yes. It's supposed to be a quick death. It refers to kashras today. Correct. As you, it, because that's why kosher food is... Correct. Um, and the truth of the matter is, there is debate in the Jewish tradition about whether, um, uh, whether we are actually allowed to kill animals at all in the absence of a temple in Jerusalem. Um, it, there are some interpretations of the Torah that say that the only place you were ever allowed to ki- supposed to be ever allowed to kill animals um, uh, for food is the temple. And in the absence of the temple, we should be vegetarians. Right? I think so too. Um, so uh, enjoy your salad today and uh, have a good day, everybody. Thank you, Rabbi. <laughs>